DJ and PK brought to you in part by Homie. Finally, the way real estate should be. Full service, local agents, and you will save thousands. Homie, a better way to sell. So you really think coaches are going to get held accountable for not recruiting local guys? Yes, I do. But I think there is a way around it. The guy when? you have is good enough to help you win. There it is. And so in the final analysis, that you will be okay if you win. But you look at both coaches from Arizona, they haven't won. So what happens? Every four or five years, they get fired. So it's not, well, you didn't get this player. No, it's an accumulation of stuff that adds up, and then if you don't get them, then you lose, and you're out the door. Or you don't win enough. And then you get canned. Yeah, that's what it boils down to. How many coaches win with the out-of-state guy? Stanford does extensively. And now I guess the high-end programs are doing it because they're recruiting nationally. I mean, you just look at the recruiting rankings, and Oregon is taking top two or three players out of all the states around the West. I mean, they're coming to Utah and getting guys, but they're going to everybody in the West and getting guys. Nevada, California, right in their backyard in Oregon. Oregon Obviously, Hawaii. Started a kid at quarterback last year from Arizona. Arizona. And now he transferred to Texas Tech. But one of the three in contention to start this year is from Arizona. He's from the Phoenix area. Yes, it is a major issue. And if Jackson Dart blows up and becomes a top 5, 10 pick in three years... It's going to look bad at Utah unless they're winning the South and winning the conference. Then it doesn't matter. Just win, baby. And the thing about it is I think Kyle gets somewhat of a pass because he's so beloved. And then there may be some fans saying, well, he's not beloved by me, but he's so beloved by the media. And so everybody around, me included, I include myself in any criticism, is reluctant to call him out. But you blew it on Zach Wilson. How else can I say it? You There's blew it. nothing really else to say. <laughs> but, you, you, you evaluated guys, and you took a guy who was in and out of your program yeah. before Halloween of his freshman year. Yeah. He, I mean, just, he was gone. And meanwhile, <clears throat> the other guy ends up being the number two pick in the NFL draft. So there is a 0% chance that anyone can successfully spin that. See, I would question what Dustin Smith says to the level of accuracy, though. How accurate is what we're about to play? Is it? Just how accurate is it? There are plenty of good quarterbacks that have gotten away from here that I think could have helped Utah. I think there's some right now playing at even some other colleges in-state that are as good as as guys they have up there at Utah. Um, I'm I'm sure that there's plenty of people that would disagree with that, but I'm pretty – feel pretty strongly about the kids we've had in Utah and, 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 and when I say locally I even include you know Arizona and Idaho in that just right here close to us there have been some very very good quarterbacks I, I don't understand why they, we've got to find these guys clear across the country when there's plenty of really good ones here that don't get looked at and haven't been offered I, I, I would like to see a little bit more push to keep some of those guys here because they're going and playing other places and they're good 
So I guess I would start by asking him if we had to follow up and hit him up more on this topic. How far back is he going? Because I don't think, and maybe I'm just missing somebody, but was somebody going to beat out Tyler Huntley? Because he says all the way across the country, that's who came to my mind when he went to Florida and got Huntley. But the way Huntley played, I don't know who locally would have beat him out. Now, if you go back prior to Huntley, maybe there is somebody who could, who could get it done. Certainly this last year, but the U's only played five games. <laughs> so, But are they sitting there right now? Is there a local kid who would be better than, I mean, Texas and clear across the country, but for Dustin's point, it's far enough away. Is there someone who can beat out the Texas kids who are, who can be a Baylor and Texas transfers now, battling for the job? Well, he hasn't taken a snap at the collegiate level, but what about the dark kid at SC? Will he end up being the best of the three this year? Because your point is, Kyle isn't isn't playing the long game right now. No. He's in win-now mode. Yeah, so I question how many players were there. Uh, How many Utah high school quarterbacks are on rosters right now? On rosters? Not in in our state. Or starting. Well, if they're starting, I'll know who they are. Well, I mean, Kyle's trying to win now, so I think Kyle would say not on the roster. I need a guy who can win now because we want to right, win but I'm, in 2021. I'm taking it a step below. Right. And but you can have a guy on, on your roster? roster now who's building and will be the guy who will help you win now in 2022 or 23. Yeah, but who Jackson are they? Dark. That's what I'm saying. The, I don't know of that many. How many great quarterbacks... Or in this state, I don't. I don't follow high school football to the level you do, or that Yak does. So I don't know who are these kids. I only know. I mean, I can hear of them, but unless you're going to a a big time school, I'm not sure who you are. Well, he was also going out regionally to Idaho and Arizona, and, and I, I just don't think anybody from Idaho. I barely follow high school in, in Utah. <laughs> you're sure not following in Idaho. any in Idaho. Unless you're Taysom Hill. Unless he Hill thinks they should have gotten not, Taysom then Hill. Then I know who yeah. you are. Should you have got? Should the Utes have gotten Taysom Hill? I don't know that how that recruiting went or what they knew. We're going back a number of years. How early they got in on him. Oh, yeah. Taysom back to 2008, if I remember. Yeah, so that's a long time 2008. ago. 2008. Yeah. I mean, he was it's just a little bit of a rep then. He was Fiesta and Sugar stuff was fresher. Yeah, but he's they're just barely getting started, right? And, and, and how do you turn down Stanford? Stanford. Well, see, well, the profile of high school recruiting in the state of Idaho has always been relatively low, so I'm not sure he was necessarily registering all that highly. At that well, point. but if Stanford is recruiting you, then you ought to be recruiting you. If sure. you're and and you're in uh, Pocatello, which is a suburb. Uh, Salt Lake, <laughs> to an extent, is it not? That's a good point. It's closer here than Boise, is it not? Yes, it is. You Absolutely. Know. So, I'm, yeah. what I'm, my point is, I'm including Pocatello close enough as to part here. of that. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That that's if there's kids in Pocatello who are really good, you ought to know about them because that's close enough. That's and Stanford that's closer and Stanford than Dixie and Stanford knew about them and it's yeah. And and they don't have the scholarship, and when he comes home, and apparently he was misled, according to what I had heard from basically horses' mouths. Uh, so, and we know how that played out, but that's going way back. 
so much has changed dramatically for Utah. They're not. They're in a much, much better position than now. I, I, I'm gonna. I hold them accountable. I don't believe that they get the best players in the state. They talk a good game, but they don't back it up. Oregon's getting them again and again. Well, I see. Is getting them. Uh, Gustin, Messina, Dufele, Dart. I mean, your your go to is Oregon. I know that, but there's it's not just Oregon. Stanford. Uh, and Stanford cleans up. Yeah, they've had a series of players. So, and and Kyle is great at the interview. You ask him a question, and he'll answer it. But at the same time, he's got the ability to dodge the point because you're not you are not getting the best in the state. And they'll say, "Well, it's our first priority." Okay, well, you're failing at your first priority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no one wants to follow it up and put them on the spot. Well, how come you're not succeeding at your first priority then? Now you're getting more than BYU, so there's there's that. But the top kids consistently leave and that's I just recited SC's off the top of my head so it goes back to your earlier point though do you win enough to get away with it that's the good thing if you win I nine, think they do if you win nine or ten games you get another contract yeah he's they have an outstanding program right but if you're not getting the in-state guys and you win six or seven then you're where the ASU coaching staff has been under multiple coaches. And the UC Los Angeles coach and the Colorado coach uh, and the Cal coach, (laughs) basically on and on and on. Yes, I happen to think that SC, I put it a little bit above Utah, but I think the Utes are the second best program in the South. That's... The way I feel as I rank, not not an individual year. I'm not t- citing any year. I realize the Devils have beaten them more times than they've beaten, but that's not. It's not but an individual year or an individual game. It's not an individual series we're talking about because you beat one team, whoop de do. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta beat them all, or beat as many of all as you can. And the Utes have been more consistent in that regard. So they are, in my mind, the second best. So Kyle has overcome, and it's not just him, it's his staff, but we recognize him uh, as great. I mean, they can go get all these kids from Texas that they want, but I still think it stings when they're getting kids who not only are from here or go someplace else and then get drafted in the NFL. That does sting. Yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine what it must be like in Hawaii. It just seems like it's just a given that those guys aren't going to stay. It is. Yeah. I mean, they've had multiple Heisman Trophy finalists and or winners. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I guess maybe you can understand it because they're way out there in the ocean somewhere. But I don't know the feelings. Maybe the Hawaiians there are saying, no, this sucks. And we need somebody in here who's going to close the borders and all those cliches and put up fences and walls and blah, blah, blah. I know a person who lives in Hawaii is a big Rainbow Warrior fan who says that exact yeah. thing. We need to protect the rock, as they call it. Yeah. But what are you going to do if a kid wants to go? 
and they realize that they have every program around the country is going there anymore. Oh, yeah. They, they don't have Power 5 football. They don't have money. Their star quarterback really hurt him when he said, we don't well, have soap in the showers. Okay, well, similar to, similar to Arizona, though, guys want to go try something else. They've been on that island their entire yep. life. I think there's a, a lot of uh, truth to that, and there is similarities, and let's get out of here. It's so blazing hot, and, and this team really isn't going to be a big-time winner, either team, depending on where you are in your town, north, south, wherever you are. And so they take off. Uh, it's the it's the way of the world. The thing that you need to do is to make sure you overcome it. And I think to a great degree, the Utes have been over been able to overcome it because they go get kids from Texas or wherever, and they're really good. Brent, uh, Keithy wasn't recruited by the University of Texas. He's a really good tight end, and Andy Ludwig has put him in a position to succeed and utilize his skills to a high, high level. So who cares if a tight end goes to BYU or goes to SC or whoever because you've got a really good tight end, and he's coming up on exhausting his eligibility, so make sure that the kids behind him are just as good as better or better. And ultimately, I think the fans, they're fine with that. It'd be interesting to see, to me, what this NIL has. Because Covey's getting a lot of run. And I think a good degree of it is because he's a local kid. Now, he's got all sorts of charisma, too. Big time. Yeah. And so what I'm hoping is going forward, this NIL thing, I hope it, 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 it's not just for a chosen few that it's more widespread. I doubt it's going to permeate the athletic programs to every young man, young woman is going to be able to cash in. But But still, is it going to be one kid or is it going to be 12 kids? Right. It's a big difference there. And what I'm hoping is that the local kid, he or she, they do establish themselves as a sophomore, as a junior, as a senior. And then they look at it and say, hey, man, financially here, I can... I can make some cash. Like the kid from Texas, that South Lake uh, Quinn Power Ewers. football. South Lake Carroll. Okay, he wants to go because he can't make money in high schools, but he wants to go to Ohio State. Yeah. What I'm hoping here is, hey, I got an opportunity to cash in right here because everybody knows who I am. And there's t- we've had tons of kids that have stayed. It's not like every kid is leaving by any stretch. We've had... I, I look at uh, uh, Britton Covey as a sorter, smaller, not less sturdier version of Reno Mahe. Yeah, there's some parallels there. Right. Reno Mahe, I moved to the area, and I hear about him playing in the local high school over there in Brighton. You got to go see this kid. And I went and saw him play. Now, this kid's absolutely amazing, man. His feet were just unbelievable. He nobody can get a clean shot at him. He's so fun to watch. And I follow him. Then I goes to be, he goes to BYU. Well, he ends up playing in the NFL, right? He's got a ton of charisma. If he's coming out today, and there's businesses, and you want to promote your business, who wouldn't latch on to him, right? Well, they've just kept a couple of uh, four-star defensive guys at home guys who could have gone to USC, Oregon, or Stanford. And so NIL's starting. We'll see if they cash in. I just talked to Fillinger for the first time. He seems to have tons of personality. He was committed to Texas. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but yeah, so you're you're keeping kids at home where if you start at Utah, you're going to the NFL. If you can't keep defensive linemen at home, <laughs> who right, are you going to keep? But to your point about NIL, so is this gonna is this one of the guys that'll work for? Because if it's just for one guy, it's going to be the quarterback or the right, star running right, back receiver. Right, that's one guy. Right, that's what I'm saying. So he's not playing a position where you would think it'd be one guy, but he's also not playing an anonymous position. Not at all. So well, if it's gonna, a high profile position right, to you, if it's going to spread so that it's ten or fifteen guys yeah, cashing in, that's what I'm talking about. Then a local guy who's in the D line, who has charisma, who's willing to do interviews and get his name and face out there. That's the kind of guy it ought to work for. Yes, I'm looking more from the offensive perspective because I think that that's where every the guys defensive kid away. in the state, every state, if the Utes are recruiting you, you should consider them because it's a freaking pipeline straight to the NFL. It's like the kids, if you start for two or three years at Utah on defensive line and you don't make the NFL, I'm surprised. Okay, but Oregon and SC are getting defensive kids out of here. But you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's an NFL tight end and NFL receiver out of Stanford on the Cowboys roster now. And I'm hoping that that thing helps them. Yeah. That that that, and they were able to say, "Hey, stay here, man. Look at look at you know the possibilities." So I hope it does take. I hope I hope Britton Covey makes. Uh, who's that? Bryce Young making a million dollars. I hope Britton Covey makes a million. Go get him, Britton. <laughs> you can help recruiting for the next decade. And I hope the Nakua brothers down at BYU crush it. Million apiece. <laughs> Yeah, that, I really do. I think it would help, and I want to see these. I want to see both programs. I want to see all three. Well, Weber State too, for that matter. I want to see them all succeed. So then it helps that they have someone in their corner who's got the entrepreneurial spirit and knows a little bit about it. So if they're high school kids and they're blowing up, they get rolling early. Yeah. yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Andy Bailey, NBA analyst, writer for Bleacher Report. How much better have the Jazz made themselves? Where do they stack up in the West? We will ask him next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Former Washington Husky receiver, new BYU Cougar receiver, Puka Nakua. Kind of walk us through the decision to come back to Utah. It's crazy how everything pretty much comes full circle. And to be back home right here in Provo, it's something I didn't see. But uh, kind of just some family discussions and then some talk with my, obviously, Samson. And we come back as a duo. So both of us have the opportunity to come back and play in front of our family in the hometown. And there's nothing like playing in front of the family and the opportunity presented itself here at BYU so it was something that we missed out on in high school and we got to play when we were younger but my older brother Kai and Isaiah played against each other in high school and me and Samson played against each other so when we had a chance to team up I think we got to take it for sure. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The Top 60 and 60 is back in the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty announce another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness here on the Zone Sports Network. Time to talk NBA free agency and Utah Jazz with Andy Bailey, NBA analyst and writer for Bleacher Reports. Where did the Jazz stack up in the West after all the moves? Andy joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Andy, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So the question is, where did the Jazz stack up in the West? 
What do you think? Well, uh, it's not going to be a real definite answer. I think it's probably the same way I've talked about the Western Conference for four or five years now. I think there are three, four, five teams you could probably make an argument for I think they'll finish first in the West, and I think the Jazz are still in that conversation. Um, you know, obviously they finished first in the West last season and have made a couple of moves uh, this offseason. Nothing dramatic, but I do think it moves the needle a little bit. Um, I think Hassan Whiteside, if you get the 2019-20 version of him, is going to dominate second units, and I think there's a good chance you get that guy because this is this is a much more competitive team. Um to put it mildly than the Sacramento Kings. I was, you know, when they first made that signing, I kind of thought there's almost like a Sacramento Kings tax on your career when you go there. (laughs) Um, I I don't think there's any way to to really trust what he did last season. Um, So I think they can get the best out of him. I think Rudy Gay answers some questions for them. Another, you know, switchable forward who can hit threes. And I think the, the one that I was, you know, most surprised by the Eric Pascal trade, I think there's some upside there too. Uh, potential small ball five. I know that, you know, everybody think, I think in Utah realizes that was a problem for the Jazz in the playoffs. So they've got a few options now um, where they can counter those small ball lines. I think even Rudy Gay could be a small ball five at times. So I think they answered a bunch of questions. They're still going to be in the mix for the top seed in the West. They're, they're a title contender still. So who do you think was more important of an acquisition, a Gay or Whiteside? I think uh, Gay. Um, because I, again, I think he is potentially a small ball five. I don't know if that's how the front office sees him. I don't know if that's how Quinn Snyder sees him. Um, but I think Whiteside, I think at best what you're going to get from him is slightly better backup center play than, than you got from Derek Favors. And that's important because basically for five or six years now, um, Utah's point differential falls off a cliff when Rudy Gobert leaves the floor. So if you can just find somebody to kind of stabilize that, that's good. And I think Whiteside can do that. Um, what Gay does is offer some versatility, I think. He'll probably spend most of his time at the four, which is what he's done with San Antonio the last few years. Um, but again, I, I think he has the size and, and the strength now later in his career to, to counter some of those small ball lineups. And they can go two through five, really even one through five, really switchable if you have Mitchell at the one with his wingspan um, and a bunch of those, you know, interchangeable wing slash forward types like Royce O'Neal, Joe Ingles, Bogdanovich, Gay. Um, if you're playing that team or that lineup against a small ball lineup for five, ten minutes, I, I think you can you can now counter that punch, which they couldn't really do last season. So you kind of hedge there with Rudy, uh, with Rudy Gay about whether – the front office sees him or Quinn really sees him as a small ball five, but isn't the answer really going to be he's going to be the small ball five sometimes and in some matchups it's going to work and in others it isn't, and it's just a question of how often it's going to work? It's not a slam dunk in either way, is it? Yeah, I think that's probably the right way to look at it. I don't I don't think you should get your hopes up too high for him as being like this dynamic Draymond Green type of small ball five. Um, but he's certainly a guy who can handle the ball a little bit on the perimeter and hit threes. And, and, you know, if you have a team like the Clippers play Nicholas Batum at the five, you're no longer flummoxed by that. I think Rudy Gay would be fine in a matchup like that. And, I again, I think another option there might be Eric Pascal. Um, I, I think if I had to handicap the race, Rudy Gay is probably more likely to get that role right now. But Pascal has shown some things with the Warriors, I, I think, that are encouraging. And I think he can do 
some similar sm- stuff as a small ball five. So I think the increase in versatility this offseason for the Jazz is is really big. I don't again they didn't make a move like, you know, here's this superstar free agent and we're moving up around, but they really didn't have the flexibility to do that. So I think the moves that they made were smart and I I think they nudged the needle in the right direction. And when you were when you just finished first in the West, really all you can do is nudge the needle. I mean there's there's not a lot dramatic to do. So I think this was a good, smart, savvy offseason for them. I find it funny with all the Lakers AARP moves that <laughs> we're months away from playing a game and it seems like they're already crying the nobody respects us card and you got LeBron and and we're underestimating them. And I heard it from LeBron. I think Dwight Howard said it. And I, I don't know that I buy it. But I also don't know that these moves really catapult them into the overwhelming favorites. So I'm sort of somewhere in the middle, and let's wait and see how it plays out. Yeah, I think it's funny that he – I can't remember the exact wording of his tweet, but that he you know deletes it shortly thereafter. I, I felt like they got universal praise for the moves that they made after Westbrook, not a bunch of people doubting them. And, and to the extent they were doubts, it was just people pointing out the age, which I think is fair. I, I wrote an article about them for Bleacher Report. I think it was right after the Monk signing, maybe right before. Um, and they've gotten a bit younger since then. But at the time I wrote the article, the average age was like 32 and a half. Um, and then I went back and looked at the average age of championship teams for the last 10 years. And the only one that was over 30 was the 2012-13 Heat. Um, and for the most part, there was kind of a sweet spot around 27, 28. So I think it's fair to point out their age. I, I do like their signings, like as each individual move. Every time the news broke, you know, it's Wayne Ellington, it's Malik Monk. Um, you know, everyone I thought, okay, that makes sense. They needed to get shooting. That guy can shoot. Um, Kendrick Nunn I thought was a good move. Like it, individually, each move made sense to me. When you step back and look at the roster, I think it's also true what you said, that they're not an overwhelming favorite. I, I could certainly – see the argument for picking them to win it all or picking them to win the West. But I think there are still pretty real question marks about the fit between Westbrook and and LeBron. Um, I think if you've got those two and Davis on the floor, which they will obviously have for long stretches this season, there's going to be questions about spacing and shooting. I mean, even if you put your best shoot other, you know, you fill those other two spots with your best shooters, um, it's still going to be a little bit cramped. So I think they've got, serious questions to think about there obviously like who's going to use more possessions between Westbrook and James it'll be really interesting just generally to see how Westbrook plays um so there are still a lot of questions to answer and I think with that many questions they are not an overwhelming favorite just like you said but there are no overwhelming favorites right the Jazz the Suns and the Lakers all have a shot the Clippers and the Nuggets will have a shot if they can get their guys healthy early enough, they get a chance to play together. But obviously, they got key guys with knee injuries. And then, how far are the Warriors bouncing back? How good is Clay after two years off? It's hard to know. But if he looks good, then they're in the mix too. So it's wide open chaos like it was this past season. Yeah, I think you broke it down perfectly there. Um, the Lakers, Suns, and Jazz are probably the closest teams to sure things and even then you have some questions and I think if if we're just going to define the conversation that way it might just be the Jazz Um, because Chris Paul is going to be a year older and and I think it's fair to wonder if he's going to stay healthy at this point in his career with the nagging injuries that he had before the OKC run Um, so that's a lingering concern for Phoenix and then you know we just talked about the concerns 
for the Lakers with the Jazz, we we pretty much know what we're going to get from them. Um, the only question is how much of a boost do you get from Rudy Gay and, and Hassan Whiteside? And then, like you said, there are there are big concerns with those other teams. I this may or may not be fair, but I might write the Clippers off right now. Um, with how cautious Kawhi Leonard has been with injuries in the past, and the fact that this past season got started later, um, I would be surprised if he even came back for the playoffs with that torn ACL. I think Jamal Murray, at best, will be back right before the playoffs, maybe during the playoffs. So those teams both have major, major problems. I mean, that's the best player on the Clippers and the second best player on the Nuggets. And, and of course, Denver... They have they have that fun way that they play with Nikola Jokic, and he kind of lifts everybody around him. And I think Michael Porter Jr. will be better. But any team missing their second best player is is going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, the Mavericks are kind of a wild card. I don't you know I don't think I'm ready to put them in a contender tier, but I think Doncic is going to be MVP caliber again, and so that's always something to worry about. So there there are just again you could probably talk on and on six, seven, eight teams in the West that you could see, well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they won a first-round series and if things break right, kind of how they did for the Suns last year. You never know you know, who ends up in the finals. How about on the other side of the bracket? Any moves catch your eye in the East? Um, I think Brooklyn got better, which is <laughs> kind of crazy because I think if they were healthy last yeah. year, it's, it's hard to believe they wouldn't have made the finals. I, I think they would have had a very strong chance to win the championship, obviously. Um, Patty Mills, I think, right. is a huge pickup for them. That's the one um, I would go to, they, yeah. Yeah, and they got some interesting guys at the back end of the first round of the draft. I think James Johnson is actually a pretty interesting pickup for them, too, in the front court. I think he can play some small ball five for them. Um, so <laughs> with the limited flexibility that they have, obviously they're paying three superstars, too. Uh, for them to kind of hit on the margins the way that they did, and especially that Patty Mills signing, I, I do think that they're better i think i think it's between them and the bucks in the east i'm you know i don't think anybody can have great analysis on the sixers until we know what happens with ben simmons um but those are i think the clear contenders in the east and and obviously a lot of people are going to talk about miami i'm i'm kind of uh mixed on their off season i don't i don't know if they i think they'll be better but i don't think they push themselves into that brooklyn and milwaukee tier so there have been four different champions in the last four years. And the last time that happened, there were five different champions in five years in the late 70s, early 80s. What are the odds that we'll just get a different champion outside of Warriors, Raptors, Lakers, Bucks? I guess we can write off the Raptors, right? But outside of Warriors, Lakers, Bucks, do we get a fifth new champion in five years? I did not know that stat, and that's that's pretty cool. I, I think that supports what we've thought about the league for a few years now, that parity is in increasing around the league, and I think that's a good thing. Um, as stars have, have sort of been spread out throughout the NBA, I think it makes for a better product. It makes for an unpredict- more unpredictable postseason. And so I, I guess the answer to the question is I, I would say yes, um, just because you've got the field versus three, four teams, whatever it is. So um a lot of contenders again this year, and it's just it's fun because again, I think there's an unpredictability that makes it, you know, more enjoyable to watch these games. So as we look at it and handicapping it here months before, that there's been teams, most teams have made moves 
you know, around the periphery, some within the heart of the team, and we'll see how it plays out. But particularly in the West, as we look at all these moves, and by and large they're done, maybe there'll be some, depending on what happens with Simmons, so there might be some still some changes. And then, of course, you could get to the trade deadline and or the buyout market, and they could add some significant points, But uh, players, I mean. But the, the point that I'm getting at is I'm wondering now, the dust is sort of settled, not completely, if it's just uh, who's healthy again, sort of like it was this past season. Yeah, I think that could be a huge part of it. I think it's, you know, that's a huge consideration every year, but it was more so last year with the condensed set schedule and the health and safety protocols and all that. And, um, a lot of prominent injuries. I know the NBA at one point said there are fewer injury, you know, fewer games missed to injury this season than last. I, I don't really know how they conducted that study, but I think it just felt like more because there's, you know, so many of the big injuries were to big name guys. Um, so that was a huge consideration last season. I, I think just law of averages, you would expect it to, to be a little bit less dramatic on that front this season. But, you know, all these teams in, in basketball, when there's only five guys on the floor, you're pretty dependent on your one or two best players. So if you if you lose a guy like that in the playoffs, and again, we saw that over and over last season. Anthony Davis goes down in the first round. Jamal Murray's out for the Nuggets. I mean, it was just, you know, one thing after another. Um that can sort of lay the path um, for the champion. And obviously the Jazz had their own issues in the playoffs too. Mike Conley missed time and Mitchell was pretty much playing on one leg. So if if you can stay healthy, um, you're in good shape. The problem if you're a team executive or a coach or whatever, there's, there's really no magic potion out there that 100% guarantees you're going to be healthy. Um, you're playing on a hardwood floor and cutting side to side and jumping and having people underneath you and there's a chance you're going to get hurt. So it's, in, in a weird way, kind of a luck of the draw thing a lot of times. Well, Andy, as always, we appreciate a little bit of time. Thanks for coming on with us, and we will talk to you again when the season gets going. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Andy Bailey, you can read him at Bleacher Report, NBA analyst and writer for Bleacher Report. And everything he says is true, and that's why we had four different champs in four years. Plus the nature of the three-point shot. And there is a little bit of truth to live by the three, die by the three. And, you know, previous decade, if you had Shaq or Duncan, well, there's a reason they won almost every title for a decade. But it's a different deal now. You're not sure you want to buy that. You're squinting. Has there or have there been players like Shaq or Duncan in the game to where those players are available to dominate? Or is just the nature of the game led that there are no more players? If Shaq is an unusual physical specimen. Right. But Duncan... Duncan and Olajuwon weren't Shaq, but they were still unusual physical specimens. I I think they were unusual talents, but they're unusual physical specimens. Well, talents is probably a better phrase. I'll give you that. But so, they were unusual talents, but they were also just, you know... They were, it's just, in that era, it was better to be 6'10 or 7 feet and super skilled than it was to be 6'3 and super skilled. Okay, Jordan, Jordan at 6'6 is just off the charts that he did what he did. But we got it's, it's Magic and Bird and it's Jordan and it's Shaq and it's uh, Duncan and, and you're counting for most of the titles. So we're getting all these repeat winners. Why have we had four different champs in four years? Well, partly the nature of shooting, the three is so important, 
And with everyone running and cutting and jumping, like he says, there's more injuries. How, how do Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson both go down when it looked like the Warriors are going to win and that they should win and they should three-peat and they both go down and the Raptors win? So injuries are part of this. A different style of the game enables guys of different shapes and sizes to win as opposed to, hey, if you get the biggest, baddest guy, you're in the mix. Okay, but didn't Antetokounmpo, isn't he the biggest, baddest guy? Yeah, and will he repeat? So will that work? Right, but or, my, no, or my, there's enough seven foot athletes now that there isn't one or two the way there were at, with Shaq and Duncan. Well, that's because, my point. Because the Nets could win and be the fifth team in five years, and Durant's a little different, granted, but they're both seven foot guys who are f- f- just wildly gifted offensively. Isn't Yanni this version of Duncan? Uh, even more athletic the, and ball handler. I mean, there's the big some, fundamental, but yeah. this version of I, the I big think man of, who can do I a think lot of, of different things. I think of Giannis more as Durant and Nowitzki, except he can't shoot a lick from the outside. Those guys can. <laughs> Whereas Duncan right. wasn't taking threes. Yeah, but he moves more like them. Whereas Duncan moved more like a big guy. Giannis is explosive. I didn't think Duncan was explosive. So mm. I guess that's why. But you're right. Giannis, he has to be explosive to jump over you because you don't fear him on the three-point line. I mean, he'll hit a few, but you'll live with it. So I, I, my point is, if you have a wildly talented big man, he's got a place. Yeah. Does Jokic count as a wildly talented big yeah, man? Absolutely. Right. But he's more the Duncan, I think. Now, he shoots it further out than Duncan did, but he's not explosive. I view him more than Nowitzki. Yeah, but Magic and Bird weren't More explosive. explosive. No, I agree. Explosive. I agree. Just find ways to win. You don't have to be yeah. necessarily this incredible freakish athlete to win. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Are there more guys? I was about done, but let's go. Are there more guys because of the foreign player? There are just there are more guys because there are literally more guys. You answered your own question. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The general manager for the Utah Jazz, Justin Zanuck. Is it safe to say that you were going to make re-signing Mike Conley a priority? Certainly we value Mike and what he's meant to our team. Obviously, I can't comment on how things will roll out. However, we do have a plan in place. We love him. Each move that you guys see that comes out, whether it's a draft pick, a trade, a signing, I know there's this urge to have like a hot take, but evaluating those in a silo is tough. In a couple weeks, you look back and look at it in its entirety of what we needed to do and what we were able to execute on. I think the bigger picture becomes more clear. That picture is not completed yet. With a few more stages, we have to go here. We have a plan, and hopefully we'll get it done. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. There is the Chevy play of the game. You know what? Today, 450, C.J. Crone, former youth. Two homers for the Rockies, seven ribbies, a grand slam. Had it going on. Apparently, Another Phoenix kid who leaves. A club, Please. Apparently a club record, three grandies in a year. So 
It's not Grandies. It's Grannies. Oh, I said Granny. No, it's Granny. Okay. Like Grandma. <laughs> granny. <laughs> grandma. <laughs> Deep. Thank God. All right. So no, today, 450 on the big show, you can win fabulous prizes. Ryan Thorburn, Oregon Ducks beat writer for the Register Guard in Eugene, Oregon, is going to join us coming up next. You should put uh, the ASU news because uh, they play. Gosh, they play three teams in state. I was going to say we've got a very <laughs> a busy chance. season with ASU this year. They got a shot at the state title. Well, not anymore. <laughs> they have two more assistants placed on administrative leave as the NCAA investigation into the recruiting practices continues. So them cheating fools are down to three guys out. Tight end coach, receiver coach, DB coach. All those guys, I believe, are in their 20s, which is why they were they were hired to recruit. I like the theory, get recruits. Because we've had multiple coaches tell us, I can handle the coaching along with my coordinators. coordinators. Mo- multiple big-time coaches. Have the position guys need to be yeah. able to recruit at a high level. And it takes a lot of energy. The travel is grueling. The number of high schools they go to when they're on a quote-unquote trip to a city. And you got to be on your game, high energy at everyone. Recruiting is like 85-90% of the game. If you pick the best team, you will win. Yeah, and that, evaluating is a right. part of recruiting. And projecting. And yes. that's all. That, I put that all in the recruiting umbrella. So they went and got guys who had virtually zero experience and as, a, as position coaches and got them to recruit and got them to cheat. And they're in a whole heck of a lot of trouble. So the question is, did all those guys under pressure go do this or oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. they were all directed to do it? Well, what's the difference? Uh, the difference is whether they're going to go after somebody who's more experienced and a bigger name. A.K. Antonio well, Pierce. Well, Pierce is the only but I mean, he's... Is well, he, and then he, Herm. I was going to say, Herm's the, the ultimate big fish. Yeah, but I don't think Herm's long-term anyway. So it doesn't really matter there. And really, just this season is what we're talking about. How much does this erode or decay the program this season. Because if you lose to the if the BYU loses to ASU this year, what do they care what happens? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Utah is a different story because they have to play them every year. Right. I understand that. But so we're the talking state about state of the program yeah, matters. How much impact does it have this season? Because I don't I don't think Herm's gonna be there in four years anyway. So it doesn't really matter from from Herm's perspective uh there. But Pierce was thought to be as a six, uh, coach in waiting the way Scali is here at Utah. So how much turmoil will there be between now and September 18th? Well, I have a text wanting to know if I am willing to coach the running backs. <laughs> <laughs> he was really impressed with your football knowledge at Pac-12 Media Day. <laughs> hey. We were starting to scrape the bottom of the barrel. And I have no experience coaching, so I had as much coaching experience but as the you, guys they hired. you can recruit. I might be able to land some Corner Canyon kids. <laughs> 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 so maybe I can help out the program. Nice. <laughs> there you go. Open that Utah pipeline to ASU. Yeah, uh, Corner Canyon's quarterback. Is that another Arizona kid who didn't stay at home? 
Is he from Arizona? I thought it's Cali. I thought it was Cali. Oh, he's a California kid. Double check. Okay. I thought it was California. I knew they had a move in. He's a USC commit. I believe he's from California, though. But they got this kid. Now, he's uh, this Hagen kid. He's going to be a senior this year. Cody Hagen, correct. And he's supposed to be all that. Yeah, he's got offers from everywhere. And so uh, while I'm talking to David Shaw, I get a text. That says Hagen is going. Was, was that the text that you showed Shaw? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, were you listening? I yeah. was producing it that. Oh point. yeah. I, so I get a text that says Hagen's going to Stanford. So I said, Coach, I got to show you this text that I just got. I know you can't comment, but I want to show it to you. And I show it to him, and he just smiles. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, so when is it? You say it doesn't matter to BYU going forward. There ought to be another game. When does BYU go to ASU? Well, it was supposed to be last year. So I oh know. oh, and yeah. it didn't happen, and so now they gotta yeah. figure out where to slot it. Okay, yeah. so it really doesn't matter because they will slot it far enough out. Herm won't be there anyway. I don't think so. No. Right. Yeah. Well, the next couple schedules, I guess you could right. always buy your way out and move other games around. Yeah. Didn't Notre Dame do that one year to move a Michigan or move a game in front of Michigan or something? And they. <laughs> Ended up giving like Notre Nevada ended up in San Diego State ended up getting games at South Bend out of it something along those lines yeah, yeah I think it involved BYU and mm-hmm. they came out here and lost to BYU they did yeah all right DJ and PK it's ninety seven five at twelve eighty the zone Ryan Thorburn Oregon Ducks beat writer for the Register Garden Eugene Oregon next stay with us.